0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, if you try to live the Christian life in your own strength, according to your own wisdom, your own natural tendencies. If you try to live the Christian life like that, you are going to fail. I think we know that, don't we? How many ifs? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. I have failed multiple times that way. In fact, it is impossible. It is impossible to live the Christian life as a natural human being even one who's been born again in and of yourself it is impossible to do because as you look at things in life you look at the situations in your life the things that you're facing you know relationship issues financial issues health issues the world around us uh, who knows what all kinds of things you say how in the world can I live like a Christian in this setting and it is Impossible. And yet God has called us to live like Christians. <laughs> okay, live like Christians. We can't. I know. <laughs> because God never intended for us to live the Christian life in uh, of ourselves, out of our own strength. But it's Christ within us. And the Holy Spirit within us. As we walk with him, he enables us to experience what would otherwise be impossible. And the Christmas story has some things like that in it. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. And that starts on page 1177 there in the Bible that's in the chairs. And as always, I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible with you, to uh, pick one of those up out of the chairs and follow along, we'll be starting on page 1177. Story's pretty familiar to probably to most of you. Uh, the, the Luke begins with the story of the, um, John the Baptist's parents and they are well advanced in years beyond childbearing years. There's no human, you know, expectation that they would ever be able to have a baby. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And the angel shows up and talks to uh, them and tells them that they are going to have a baby and that he's going to have a special role in what God is doing in the world. He's going to be the one to proclaim that the Messiah is coming and telling Israel to get their hearts ready for it and and uh, he will be John the Baptist, and that's, that's what he becomes known as in his life. But so that's the story that's coming up here, telling a couple that you're going to have a child, uh, and it's going to be natural in the sense of it's, it's a father and a mother, but God is going to supernaturally overcome their old age. Okay? Then we get to our story, starting in verse number 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now Nazareth was not, um, I'm trying to think how to describe it. Well, let me describe it this way, that there's a point in time when somebody uh, tells someone who, who's looking forward for the Messiah, says we found him and he's from Nazareth. And they go, Nazareth? What what good comes out of Nazareth, you know? So whatever, the town had that kind of reputation. But so this is where uh, the angel is showing up to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And this betrothal, you know, we tend to think of betrothal in the terms of engagement, But the way the betrothal worked would be, and it isn't exactly like this. I'm just trying to put it in how we might experience. It would be like if a young couple decided that they were going to get married, and so they went to the justices of the peace. You know, they filled out the paperwork and got things together, and now they are officially married, but they're still going to act like they're engaged until a certain point when they have a wedding. And then, uh, you know, the ceremony's done, and the word of God, and, and the people of God, and uh, that's when they actually get married. They, they don't have sexual contact, you know, before then. Uh, and so it's, it's, like an, it's like an engagement with legal teeth, <laughs> okay? Because if someone wanted to break this betrothal, they had to get a divorce because they were legally married, okay? So this is the situation that Mary was in with Joseph, Verse 28, and having come in, oh, does let me say one more thing, that Mary's most likely 15, 16 years old, something like that in this culture, okay? And sometimes the betrothal period could be several years. All right. The virgin's name was Mary, verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, if, if you all of a sudden had an angel show up in your room and you didn't invite them, you didn't open the door, and there's somebody there and you can tell this is an angel, how would you feel? Would you be surprised? Would you be shocked? Would you be like, uh, 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 I don't know exactly how Mary was. And then he says, not only does he show up, he t- says to rejoice. You're a highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Isn't that the kind of thing that again, you would, you would kind of say, wait a minute, is there some, somebody, else, somebody else here with me? Right? And we see that this was overwhelming to Mary, understandably so. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of, manner of greeting this was. So not only is there an angel here, but he's saying some, wow, those are big things. And, and she's troubled. What's going on? She's agitated, okay? There's this nervousness. Verse 30 Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. How does he know she's afraid? He doesn't say anything, but he can tell, right? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That word favor is the same word that we get our word grace from. And up above, when he says, you highly favored one, he's saying you who God has abundantly poured out his grace upon. You have found favor with God. And behold, (laughs) I'm sorry, it just hits me. So the angel here, I mean, I don't know how much angels understand about human beings, right? I think sometimes they aren't, you know, they don't have the same perspective. Obviously, that God does, but uh, he's already kind of blown this poor little little young woman away, right? And now he's going to really drop the bomb. He says this. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of this kingdom, there, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And the angel seems like, it's almost like exciting. Here's what God's doing. He's coming. The son of God is coming. He's going to be named Jesus. He's going to do this. And eventually he's going to be the ruler. Over, all this kind of stuff. And, and Mary is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. You lost me. Back at that first part. And I'm not saying she said these words. I just imagine the thought process that she stopped hearing a lot of what he was said after the first part. So let's look back up there again. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Okay. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And knowing is, is a euphemism for having had sexual relationships. I'm not, I haven't been with a man. I'm, I'm not finally married here. I'm only betrothed. How is this going to happen? How, how can this be? Um, it's not like uh, uh, a question. Well, explain to me how this is going to, you know, explain all this to me. When she says, how can this be? What is she really indicating? That this what? This can't happen. It's impossible. You're saying, I'm going to have a son. It's impossible. I've never been with a man. It can't happen. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Okay, so he's saying, right? this is a miraculous thing. The power of God is going to cause this conception. Okay, and he's going to be the son of God. God is going to be the father supernaturally here. And then he continues, he says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. And we, we tend to sometimes grab verses like that and pull them out. For with God, nothing will be impossible. It's so true. And it's so important. so powerful. But understand the context here. What he's, the angel is trying to say to her. He says, okay, I, yeah, you're right. You haven't been with a man. Yes, I understand you don't. You don't understand. But the power of God is going to do this. And you know what? He's already, he's already caused your, uh, your relative for them to be, have a baby when they're too old to have a baby. And it, this is going to happen to you because with God, nothing is impossible. God can do this. Okay? Um, does Mary have to cooperate with this? We don't see anything in the text that tells us that she had to do anything to cooperate with this and make this happen, but I would say to you that God chose Mary because he knew her heart and that she would respond the way she responds here in verse 38. Then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let's just stop right there, maidservant, maidservant? It's the word, it's, it's a female form of the word for servant or slave. So when she says, behold the maid servant of the Lord, what's she saying? I don't call the shots here with you, God. You call the shots. You, you say, and I do. That's what a servant does. That's what a slave does, right? Somebody else. And so she says, behold the maid servant of the Lord. This is me. And then he says this, let it be to me, according to your word I accept this let it be so and the angel departed from her father I pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding here for some key lessons that would help us to live this life that on our own is impossible but with you is not impossible Pray we would be open to whatever you might speak to us about today and challenge us in these things. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there are just a few things here today from this story that I think would be really instructive to us when we consider our lives and trying to live for the Lord and when we've said it's impossible in our own strength, with our own wisdom, with our own endurance, with our whatever, right? apart from God now just right away before we jump into these lessons in the statement that the angel made let's look at there in verse 37 for with God nothing will be impossible you know what's the key word there I think the word that makes all the difference in the world is the word impossible no that's that's a very important word right it's communicating what's going on how about is it nothing is that the key word Mm, no it's certainly telling us something important is God the key word Well, God's certainly the key, but I think the key word here is with, right? For with God, nothing will be impossible. All right. So if we are going to experience the impossible in our lives, these things that that God tells us we're supposed to do, ways we're supposed to live, decisions we're supposed to make, things we're supposed to say no to, life Course, we're supposed to follow all those kinds of things that are impossible without God. What do we need to do then to experience them with God? And the first thing I would say is, we got to believe what God says, we have to believe it. And so, we go back and look in verses 30 through 33. The angel says, Okay, you're gonna, you found favor, you're gonna conceive, you're gonna bring forth the son. Call his name Jesus. He's going to be great. Son of the highest. He'll he'll end up sitting on the throne forever. And his kingdom there will be. All these things that God has told Mary. And and of course, like I said, it's hard for her, I'm sure, to say, "Whoa, slow down, right? But all of these things. And Mary needs to believe these things. Does Mary need to understand everything about them? No. No, she doesn't. Well, Lord, what view of eschatology do we have here? <laughs> no. She just needs to believe. Okay, this is what God is saying. He's saying this is going to happen. I need to believe that. Okay, and so it is with you and I and, and the Word. We need to believe what God says. Because you go to the Word and you read it. It'll tell you how do, how do you look at yourself in life. Right? What, what's your makeup? How do you function? Well, who, has God told us that we are human beings, that we are made originally in his image, and that we, you know, have sinned, but there's a spirit and a soul and a body? Okay, so how do we look at ourselves? How do we see ourselves? Uh, when we receive Christ, what have, he's forgiven us, he's given us new life, and yet there's a process that we still have to grow in and trying to figure all that out. But God tells us about those things. God tells us about how do you stay married in a way that, both accomplishes God's purposes and becomes a blessing to you. God tells us those things. How do we raise our children so that they at least have all that they need to make good choices? Well, God tells us that. How do we handle our money in a way that's wise and enables us to, for God to meet our needs in that way and uh, even to be able to enjoy it and and be able to bless others? How, How do we do that? God tells us those things in his word on our own we can't make those things happen it's impossible to us we must do them with God and so we must make a choice to believe what God says now listen carefully here this is important because far too many Christians I think hear something they go along the way and they hear something from the word maybe a preaching or teaching or they actually read it themselves or somebody says it. And then they say, huh. They don't consciously do this, but they think, huh. Do I really believe this? Do I believe this? And I want to say that's a mistake. Because here's what you need to do. You need to settle somehow or other once and for all that I believe what God says. I don't know everything he says. But I've already made a decision that I believe it. This goes back to Psalm 119, verse 128. It says this. The psalm is talking to God. He says, Therefore I esteem all of your precepts concerning all things to be right. Okay? So, you know, the Lord challenged me years ago. Well, you need to settle this. Do you know I'm still surprised by things I find in the Bible? There's nothing like, this. terribly no, but I, I'm still surprised sometimes by what I find, what I read. But you know what I'm not, I don't do, I don't have to go, oh no, I never knew this before. Do I believe this? Because at some point I settle. Oh, okay Lord, everything that you say about everything, I've already decided is right. And so that's the way we want to live our lives. And yes, will you get challenged and say, oh man, what's it mean to believe this? Yes, you will. But we need to make this decision, settle it, to believe what God says. Does God know what he's talking about? Yes, God knows what he's talking about. Does he know your situation better than you? Uh, is he able to do whatever needs to be done? Amen. He is, okay? So just from a logical standpoint, doesn't it make sense to make a decision to believe what God says? Okay, God, I'm going with you. All right? Okay, now let's read a little farther here. Verse 36. No, excuse me, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. What was Mary's part in this? I mean, in one sense, we've already said that she needs to be submissive, right, and and respond. And of course, the Lord knew she was going to, so he comes to Mary. She just needs to know what her part is, okay? And that's just to go with the Lord here, to believe what he says. And so, second thing is, you need to be sure you understand your part in what needs to happen. You're looking at things in your life that, in my own, man, this is impossible. I cannot see how this is going to work. And yet this is what God is telling me to do. Yeah. Well, what's my part? Because our tendency is to think that we have to take care of it all. Right? So in, a, in my marriage relationship, uh, and this could apply to other relationships, not just marriage. But in marriage, these things seem to be amplified. So we could, I could be looking at my marriage relationship, and let's say it's really hard, and you know, it, you, know you get to those places sometimes in life where it's hard to even have a conversation. Whatever either one of you says, the other one thinks you mean something else, right? And it gets hard, and then you start assuming that they, the other person doesn't mean right, you know? And it gets ugly, doesn't it? And no fun, and blah! That's in the Greek. The blah. blah. (laughs) Um, So it it looks impossible, but um, when it comes to that, in, in my marriage, the example is this. God doesn't give me responsibility for fixing the marriage. Well, What if she and this and that? God says, no, very clearly. He says to you, to Walt, he says, Walt, Love Glenda the way I have loved you. Well, yes, but, but what about, and if she doesn't respond? No, no, hold on, Walt. That's not your part. Love her the way I have loved you. Well, yes, but she doesn't understand that if she would respect me, it'd make it a lot easier. And then and he says, stop. That's not your part. This is your part. Love her the way I have loved you. And God deals with the other stuff, doesn't he? I got to know what my part is. Because, oh man. Every time, I just stick with this example, just in my life, and it's, uh, I have a wonderful marriage, I'm so grateful for Glenda and everything that she means in my life, you know, but we're human, and so we've had those times when it's been really hard, and there's nothing wrong with sharing with your spouse how you're really feeling inside. It's it's nothing wrong with me saying, hey, when you do that, it feels disrespectful to me and it's hard for me. Nothing wrong with that. But almost what happens every time is when I think, okay, I want to share this and I share it and then she doesn't seem to quite get it so I need to share it again. And then tomorrow I want to say, do you remember what I said to you yesterday? (laughs) And it isn't very long because guess what have I done? I've picked up and trying to control what isn't my part. (laughs) And it gets hard and difficult for but you know what? When I get my part, this is my part. Another, love her the way I have loved you. Wow, okay. Man, I can do this with God's help, but I can do that. I can, I can love her. And you know what starts to happen? I start finding joy because I'm loving her the way God loves me, and it's, 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 this is awesome. And She changed. She doesn't change. It doesn't matter a whole lot because I am getting blessed, because I am taking up my part in doing what God has given me to do, right? So be sure you understand your part. Now, this sermon is not intended to be about marriage. Uh, It's about any area of life where you need to figure out what it is that's your responsibility and what isn't. Uh, So and think about understanding our part, our role is to submit ourselves to his plans and purposes than by living by his word. What's he say? What's I'm supposed to do? Now, one big problem here is that oftentimes we think we know what God says. But we don't. What we think God says isn't what God has said. And, and we come by that natural because we have thoughts in life about what's good and right. We have all of that and then we just bring that right into our Christian faith with us. You know, I would say that this is especially um, true to those of you who are newer to your faith because when you came to Christ, you already had ideas about what was good and right and about how things were supposed to be done. But the, rea- the reality is there's probably a lot of those things that are either need to, that don't match God's word at all or that are off a little in some way. And so we all have to, if we're going to understand our part, we have to be in the word of God regularly. We have to be pursuing. God, what do you say? What is my responsibility in life? What is my part? What's not my part? I got to understand what you say. So I have to be in that on an ongoing basis. And let me say to you, just as I said, you can, uh, I f- still get surprised by things in the Bible sometimes. If you are saying, God, I want to know what's my part, what's my responsibility, how am I supposed to live? That even after you've been a Christian many years and you have it all figured out, then one day you'll look at the word or hear it from somebody and go, wait a minute. And you realize you've been missing it and you need to change. OK, but that's OK. We, but we have to be surrendered to whatever God has said. That is crucial. By the way, this idea of understanding your part. Think about this in the gospel. The gospel message of how we get right with God. There's God's part and there's our part, right? Right. God is the one who works in our lives, helps us to see, brings us to places in our lives where we realize our need and we can see it, we can understand, and we can respond. And, and he said, What's my responsibility then? What's your responsibility? They you say, okay, I what? I believe. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And then I then I gotta get baptized and I gotta start giving money and I gotta go to church and I gotta get involved in ministry, right? And we say, what? No. That I mean, yeah, you're gonna want to do those things, but that has nothing to do with how you get saved. That's not your part. Well, don't you have to live right to to be saved? No. Because Jesus lived right. He's the one who lived right. And that's what gets credit to our account. Now, should we live right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, good, bad, and ugly, man. We are on the way. That's a good description of life. So, anyway. When it comes to the gospel and being saved, right, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners, that we sin against the holy God it separates us from him, and that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And then by faith we say, okay, God, I believe it. I accept that. I receive Christ as Savior. That's our part. And his part, he does what he says he will do. Then he will forgive every sin, and he gives us eternal life, and he moves inside and begins changing our hearts. And so we start living those ways that, We know we're supposed to. All right, so the third thing is this. And actually, let's look at verses 36 and 37 again. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Um, Be encouraged by how God has worked in other people's lives. Learn to see how God has worked in people's lives. And if you're going to see how God is working in other people's lives, what has has to happen? What has to be happening? You have to be what? With other people? Whose lives God is working in? We need to have relationships that are on purpose, You know, whether they're in a, a Bible study, a life group, or just a group of people we get together with. We need that. Okay? Where we're seeing God working in people's lives. And when that's missing from our lives, we don't have this as much as God intends for us to have. And it makes a difference watching and knowing. I mean, we could go around here and we could <clears throat> tell some stories, right, how God has worked in our lives in ways that we might have thought was impossible, but he did things. And, and it would be such an encouragement to us. And it, it helps us. In, If if I'm dealing with a problem and I talk to you and you tell me, oh, wow, I had that same issue in my life and I trusted God and here's what happened. Somebody else, well, it's not the same issue, but I trusted God and this would happen. It it makes it much, I don't know if easier is the word, right? But it makes much more sense than, well, for me to do what? Okay, I'm going to take a step of faith and trust God. Because I've seen how it works. It's like when... Years ago, we took our vacation out west, and we ended up at the Royal Gorge. You guys know, heard of the Royal Gorge? You know, it's out in the middle of Colorado, and it's this steep, steep, I don't know, it's over 1,000 feet, I think, fall. You walk across this bridge, and, and the boards move while you're walking on it, and, and it's, it's crazy. But they had what they called a sky swing. You know one of those things where they put you in a harness, and they pull you up about 50, 60 feet, and then let go? And it goes like this, and here's the gorge, out over the gorge. Well, I don't know what possessed me, but I decided with my son John to do it. I don't know if there was the three of us, two of us, I can't even remember. But I remember getting in line, okay, yeah, we'll do this, and getting in line and looking. And... The closer I got, the more I thought this, what was I thinking? This is a bad idea, but what am I going to do now? I've got to go through with my kids. and Okay. So they strap you in. Oh, that feels pretty good. And then they pull you up. They pull you up and pull you up and pull you up. And what I didn't realize, they told me right before I started up, they said, oh, this is a rib cord. You have to pull it. I have to pull it? <laughs> okay. Did it. I couldn't believe it. Boom! And I, excuse me ladies, this is not sexist, but I screamed like a girl. <laughs> Out over the gorge. And after that it was fun. But that was nuts. But the point is, it's watching other people. And look, nobody died. Those people didn't die. And they're smiling. And those people didn't die. And they're smiling. Those people didn't die. And they're smiling. Okay. I'll give it a try. No. So, so somebody says to you, you hear a challenge, you know, about your finances and to, to, to give, get in the Word and say, I need to give, you know, off the top, and, and I need to be generous in my giving, and I do it. But how am I going to do that? And, you know, I talk with you, and you tell me, well, yeah, I've, I've, God has taken care of us. He's always blessed us by doing it. And somebody else, you know, they didn't die, and they're smiling. Okay? And they, somebody else did, and they didn't die, and they're smiling. They did. You see what I'm saying? I can go, Okay. I can take this step of faith. So, so it's, it's really important that we um, be encouraged by how God has worked in other people's lives. God worked in Abraham's life. Okay, I am what's going to go through those, but I'm not. You go to the Word of God and read how God worked in people's lives, okay? And he will work in yours. And then finally, and this uh, comes from Andy, Charles Stanley, excuse me. He said it so many times for so many years, I decided just to use his wording. And that's obey God and leave all the consequences to him. So you want to experience the impossible in your life. that's That's the last step. Obey God. Do what he says. And leave all that other stuff to him. It's, you know, it's the, but, or the, well, what if? All of those kinds of things. We say, no, those are the things we're going to leave to God. Because you, you notice here, the story doesn't end in verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Doesn't end there. Then Mary said, okay. Right? I'm your servant. What you've said, that's, that's what I want. And that's where we have to come to. All right, we, we're believing what God says, we're understanding our part, we're, we're being encouraged, you know, because we're seeing other people's lives, and we finally have to take that step. And there are obstacles, we find obstacles. When we get to this point, there's obstacles, right? And um, the ones, the things that are out of our control we got to leave to God. But there's some obstacles for us too sometimes. And, and there is an obstacle of just being self-centered or complacent. But you haven't got to this point in the process anyway if you're self-serving and complacent. And I would also say to you that if you are genuinely saved deep down in your heart, you can't be complacent. Because God's after you there in a good way. All right, so set that aside. But then there is this sense of lack of control. If I take that step, I'm out of control. So in the book of Joshua, the Israel has been in the wilderness for 40 years. It's time for them to go into the promised land. But the problem is the Jordan River is flooded. It's out of control. And they're supposed to cross over. And they can't. How are they can do it? It's impossible to them. And God tells them, go forward. Tells the priests to carry the ark of the covenant, which is a sign of his presence, to them to carry it and and, and walk into the river. Um, what's going to happen? We don't have any control. What's going? You know. And God says, "Do it." And so it tells us that the priests did. It as they walked and they went, and then it says, "As the sole of their shoes or sandals hit the water, the water parted and went away." But see, they had no control, did they? Had no control. The only thing they had control over to decide, we are going to obey God and the consequences are his. All right? Uh, lack of control. And the other one is just plain old fear. By the way, God is not out of control. He doesn't lack control. Makes sense to let him deal with that stuff. And then fear is that, but what if? You know, fear of the unknown, and there's a lot, isn't there? Fear of the unknown, there's a lot, but God knows what's unknown to us. And he can help me to know anything I need to know. So I don't have to be fearful like that. So this is a biblical perspective on obedience that will enable you to overcome any obstacle, and that's finally, okay, my part, what's my part? Obey God that's my part but what about it's not your part obey God and leave all the consequences to him so these four things you want to experience the impossible in life all those things that only God can do in your life you've got to believe what he says understand what your part is look at other people and learn from other people from the Bible and other people around you and then step in Obey, and let God take care of all those other things for you. And you will experience things in your life that would otherwise be impossible. God will be greatly glorified, and you will be excited and satisfied and fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Mary, Lord, and her example to us of humbly submitting to to you and in experiencing the impossible that we've all been blessed by. Father, I pray that uh, we will humble ourselves before you here today so we can get to that place where we understand what our part is and we just choose to do it, to obey you and leave everything else to you. So that all these things in our lives which you have called us to that are impossible to us become a reality with you. And if anybody's here today, Lord, or watching or listening later who does, has never settled that issue of receiving Christ as Savior, I pray you'd stir their hearts now to do that. I pray if they have questions and don't understand, Lord, that they would reach out. Be honored and glorified in us, Father. You are so worthy of it. And we are so needy of it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Before you go, so let me say, Dave talked about next Sunday. But let me uh, give you a little more insight into that. Next Sunday, Christmas Sunday, um, we have six special music numbers for you by our musicians. Um, we have some songs to sing as well as a congregation. Uh, but the sermon will be woven through the service, okay? Uh, in between some of the songs and all of that. Um, and I encourage, I mean, you're going to see some people sing up here you've never seen sing up here. It's going to be a great time, great celebration of the Lord's birth. But it will also be very, very Pointed, clear on the gospel with an opportunity to receive Christ. So if you have someone that you know, maybe you've been talking to, invite them to come for a special day. They will enjoy it and they will hear the gospel and they just might get saved. And if not then, maybe later. Okay? All right, so be praying about that. Take advantage of it. Christmas Eve. We are doing it at 5 o'clock. So for those of you who have never known, we do that. It's candlelight, and we read the Christmas story, and we sing the Christmas carols, and we also have some special music for you that night as well. All right, God bless you. Uh, stick around for the Bible studies, one of them, okay? We'll see you.